coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. You guys know the drill. I'm Tyler, and back with me today here on our Thanksgiving night episode to help me make our Week 10 Picks of the Week is my coach, Charlie. And Charlie, you might not want to admit this. You might want to keep this to yourself. I got to ask it. How much damage did you do at the Thanksgiving table today? Uh, a lot, obviously. A lot, obviously. I can eat. Oh, you can actually put it away. People might not realize that. Like, you're you're fit, you're in shape, but it's impressive how much food you can actually put away. And I always stop because I know that people are starting to judge me. But I really want to just keep Wait, eating. As much as you eat, you don't eat till you're full? Because it seems like you have to eat till you're full. I mean, no, I can always eat more. Whoa. It's impressive. Are you a Thanksgiving food kind of gal? Like, is that up your alley? I mean, my family doesn't do Thanksgiving food. We do ribs. So, huh? yeah, there's no time. I'm actually okay with that because I think I, I'm probably going to get a lot of pushback on this from our listeners, which is okay. I hope everyone enjoys your Thanksgiving food. But turkey does nothing for me. Yeah, no thank you. Zero. Actually, I respect the ribs. Like, ribs are way better than turkey. Even though, even the best turkey in the world is probably not as good as, like, the worst rib in the world. Is yeah. that fair? Like, I think that, wow, Okay. I might have to bring this up to my family because like the, I guess some of them eat the turkey, but I feel like the turkey just sits there. And, like, they always throw it out, throw it out because like no one's really eating it. It's always the sides to me, right? I think people feel like they have to have it. Yeah, my family's it's tradition. a little different, so yeah, there's none of that. All right, so you have the you have the ribs. That's awesome. I'm gonna try to work that into our Thanksgiving. What about sides? Are you a sides kind of person? Oh yeah. That's all I eat. I, I eat two things at Thanksgiving. I eat absolutely. macaroni and cheese. My wife makes this five cheese mac and cheese, which is incredible. It's got the the uh, the Ritz crackers crumbs on the top, which I, which is kind of like that's a Thanksgiving kind of thing, right? But it's it's incredible. I eat that. I destroy that because I get it like three times a year. I get it on my birthday, on Thanksgiving, on Christmas. That's it. Uh, and then sweet potato casserole. I'm a big time sweet potato casserole kind of guy. Love that stuff, uh, especially the. Uh, the, it's like candied nuts on the top. I guess oh, it's straight you, sugar. Yeah, it's incredible. I, and I know people, different people make sweet potato casserole differently, but my family's always made it with, it's the yams and then like straight up sugar. It's candy on top is what it is. It's yeah. candy nuts. And that's really what, I mean, I'm and the a guy. a lot of butter probably. Oh, I'm which sure. Which is why it's. Good. I go in there and scrape all that stuff on the top. Everyone always comes in and get there. It's like, where's all this stuff? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Somebody, somebody. Ate. I'm not surprised. No, I don't that do, that. do that. I don't. Actually, I get mad when other people do that. It really bothers me. Mm. But uh, are you a sweet potato yam kind of gal? Again, everything. We'll eat anything. Anything. Pretty much. Which is actually, I can attest that I've seen that happen many a time. But uh, yeah, so Thanksgiving's always fun. Um, a little shorter this time around. Didn't want to have anybody die, but still good to see the family. Have a good time. But as you said on. The show earlier this week, Charlie, what was that? What episode was that? The, the South Carolina preview episode. It can get to be a little much at times. So it's always nice to be able to go back home, which I love my family, but it's nice to be able to get back home. So here we are, Thanksgiving night, and we've got some picks to make today. Last week was fine, not as good as the previous week where Charlie and I both went 5-0 and oh straight up. Charlie went 6-2 and two straight up and 3-5 of five against the spread, bringing her running totals to a very impressive, Charlie, still... Like you were saying early in the year, it was just luck. Like it can't just be luck now, right? I mean, here we are, like ten weeks into the year, and you're you're sitting here fifty and twenty one straight up. 
I didn't know that I went six and two last yeah, week. Yeah, six and two last week. Again, you just don't even keep up with it, which is, I don't understand. No. It's infuriating for me. Somebody keeps up with it as closely as I do. Here, here you are. Like, oh, here's my picks, and I'll find out next week what I got. Yeah. Okay. Well, good for you. Very impressive. 50 and 21 straight up, 35 and 35 against the spread. So still right at 500 against the spread. Still solid. Well, I went five and three straight up. And four and four against the spread, bringing my season totals to 47 and 24 straight up and 41 and 30 against the spread. Charlie leads me, you guys can do math, but she leads me by three games straight up, and I lead her by six games against the spread. And like the games we did miss last week, they were close. We both had Wisconsin over Northwestern. Wisconsin outgained the Wildcats by 100 yards in that game, but they turned the ball over four times. Graham Mertz, who was really good in, in week one, maybe isn't what everyone thought he was going to be. A little bit overreaction after week one, turned the ball over. I think he had three picks in that game. And so Northwestern, there's again, like we told you guys last week, there's a good, solid team. They're always going to be in it because they play good defense. They don't kill themselves with turnovers. And Wisconsin did. Wisconsin killed themselves with turnovers. Also had a couple of receivers. Their two top receivers were out in that game, which didn't help. I didn't know that when I made my pick, which is kind of just the COVID era. It's what happens. You just got to deal with it and roll with it. But uh, Wisconsin ends up losing that game. So Charlie and I, we both lost that one. And Charlie, you and I both had Arkansas over LSU. And they got screwed. Did you watch that game? You, yes. They got screwed by some horrible SEC officiating. Go figure, right? Like, when has that ever happened before? And then I took, the other game I lost was Tennessee over Auburn. I took the Volunteers over Auburn as my upset special of the week, which didn't pan out because I was dumb and did not properly account for the Jared Guarantano just self-destructive gene, which I've talked about all season long, but I kind of looked past it in that pick. But that was dumb. Uh, they act, again, Tennessee is another team that outgained Auburn by about 100 yards. But Guarantano threw another terrible pick six from the Auburn 12-yard line when they were about to go in there and score, which essentially accounted for the difference in that game. I still like that bet. I will still stand by that bet because they, they should have won that game. They easily could have won that game. Definitely should have covered. But again, Guarantano, man, he sure knows how to implode and self-destruct. And he did that yet again on the planes. But Charlie, I've been I went back and looked at our picks over the past couple weeks, and I figured out your secret. Mm-hmm. It's Tell not. Me. It's not luck. You are all chalk. That's what you do. You just don't pick upsets. I, went, I like. It's been like over a month since you picked a team that was more than a three-point underdog in a game. Oh, I mean, which I is don't which? Know. Like, which is fine. Like, that's that's smart betting. Like, you're you're picking the favorites because more often, like, there's always upsets, but more often than not, the favorites going to win. But you are all chalk. Well, I'm sitting here like I'm taking, I'm going out on a limb, taking Tennessee to beat Auburn minus ten and a half on the road. I always have to throw my upset special out there every but week. But it's working. What yours is working? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely working. I'm like I'm not criticizing you, but I just I've been, I've been like I've been racking my brain like how is she beating me? I'm going back and looking. It's like oh, you're not you're not even trying to pick upsets. You're just going with the teams. I mean, and look they. Again, those are the teams that you think are going to win because they should win, and uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, tr- I'm trying the rest of the way this season. However many weeks we have left, I'm gonna try to refrain from going with those crazy upset picks. I think, I think it's just fun to have an upset special a week to throw out there every week, and I've hit a bunch of those. I haven't ever hit every single one of them. I did not hit the one last week, Tennessee. I know that I knew Tennessee was a little bit of a reach, but uh, I thought they had a chance, and, I, and they did have a chance. Again, they outgained Auburn. They just had Jared Guarantano at quarterback. So, Charlie, I'm going to try to emulate you the rest of the way, and I'm going to go with the teams. I'm not going to go all chalk, but I'm going to try to be judicious in the upsets that I throw out there. I like I like throwing the upsets out there. It's fun. I do enjoy that. I like to, to hit those. It's really fun when you nail one, but it also gets you behind the standings, and I don't want to lose. I'm also competitive, so I want to win. So I figured you out. 
I figured you out. I figured you out. But all right. So let's go ahead and get into the picks. Uh, we got a couple games on Friday, right? What are we starting with? We are starting with number two, Notre Dame at number 19, North Carolina. Possibly the best game of the weekend or the game to have potentially the greatest upset of the weekend. And the Fighting Irish will be going to Chapel Hill to see if they can stay at number two. Notre Dame is the favorite by five. However, I think UNC has the ability to beat Notre Dame at home on Friday. UNC will be motivated to knock off the number two team in the nation. UNC's defense isn't that great, but they may be able to hold off the Irish. We'll see. So I'm going with UNC for the upset. Oh, here you are. I didn't so pick upsets, I, so I'm, but I'm, I'm here I am. Did, are you doing that just because I no. talked about how you're being all chalk? Check the spreadsheet. It was already in there. Let me actually timestamp this. Look at the spreadsheet. Okay, so yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, 3.37 this afternoon. Were you still doing Thanksgiving at 3.37? No, that was yesterday. Okay. Check the date. Okay. Oh, fine. Whatever. Fine. 3.37 yesterday. You did have North Carolina. All right. All right. So there goes my whole analysis of what you're doing. But you haven't been doing that. Come on. You know that. All right. Anyway. So, yeah. Oh, uh, man. North Carolina. Like, this offense, I think might... You can make an argument that this is the best offense in the country. They can run the ball, and they can throw the ball, and they are lethal at both of those. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the country. They have two great running backs, kind of like a Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb S backfield, not quite to that caliber, but you got Carter Williams back there who are just lights out running the football and they're great out of the backfield as receivers as well. You got Deami Brown and Daz Newsom that are as good of a one-two punch at receiver as there is in the country. So you have the quarterback, you have two great receivers, two fantastic running backs. The offensive line has been a bit of a bugaboo at times. But they are dynamic on offense. They can absolutely put up points on anybody. But their defense, guys, it like they gave up 606 yards last time out against Wake Forest. I watched that game. Uh, it was a fantastic game to watch. I hope a lot of you guys were able to catch that game. Just fun to watch. But they're still they're not old miss level bad. Yeah, 606 yards is terrible, but that hasn't been the rule on the year. I mean, they're middle of the pack in the country in total defense. But they have been trending in the wrong direction. But they're not going to give up 600 yards out every single time. And I don't think Notre Dame is equipped to go out and put up 600 yards on North Carolina. I don't think their offense is that dynamic. But here's one area, Charlie, that gives me a concern. Because I, I think North Carolina can win this game too. Like, I think Notre Dame is primed to be upset. Of course, they're hearing about it. But I think North Carolina is good enough, especially coming off the bye week, to be able to actually go out there and beat Notre Dame at home. But Notre Dame is top 25 in the country in sacks. I mentioned North Carolina's offensive line is kind of like their bugaboo. It's their issue. They're, they're 109th in the country in sacks allowed. If you if they cannot protect Sam Howell, then it doesn't really matter what kind of receivers you have on the outside because they're not going to consistently be able to get the ball out there. So that is one matchup that really favors Notre Dame. But on the other side, like we've been telling you guys all year long that modern football has become about offense. That's what wins games. Now you have to have a good enough defense, North Carolina's defense. I don't know if they're good enough. But I also say Notre Dame's offense, I don't know if they're dynamic enough. I know they put up enough points to be Clemson. Guys, Clemson was ravaged by injuries on the defense in that game. They had a couple key players out. And Ian Book played the game of his life that week. He played pretty well in the follow-up game against Boston College. But again, I just don't know if that's who Ian Book is game in and game out. He has not been that game in and game out throughout his career. Now, maybe he's turned the corner. I don't know. But I need to see it one more time in another big game here. 
So I'm with you, Charlie. I, this is going to be my upset special of the week, but you already took it from me. But I, I'll go with you here. I got North Carolina to pull the upset over Notre Dame at home on Friday afternoon. I think it's a 3.30 game. I'm really excited about this. I'm, gonna try, I'm trying to get – I got one more like mini Thanksgiving to do. I'm trying to get to Columbia, South Carolina, at least by halftime this game so I can pull up a chair at a sports bar there and watch the rest of this one. I'm really excited to watch this game. I think there's going to be some fireworks in this one. And if North Carolina doesn't pull the upside, they're at least, I think they're going to push Notre Dame because they can, they can just score. I don't, I mean, Notre Dame's defense is really, really good. But guys, we have, a, we have a really, really good defense too. And look what's happened to us against the two best offenses we face. I think North Carolina is going to put up points. The only concern there is if, if they have issues protecting Sam Howell. But if they, they can protect him, give him time, then I think they have a chance to go, in, to go into this game and pull off the upset and beat Notre Dame. So I'm going to be rooting for the Heels. All right. The other Friday game has Texas hosting Iowa State. Texas is only favored by one as the home team. The Cyclones are 6-2 and two and currently ranked number 13, four spots ahead of Texas. I guess the rankings suggest that this should be a close game, but I don't think it'll be too close. I'm going with Iowa State for this one. Texas isn't back, and they won't be back on Friday either. Shots fired. You think Tom Herman, like... I think he saved his job, I think, by beating Oklahoma State and West Virginia, but there was a lot of smoke around there. I still don't know. Like, if they don't finish the season on the right foot here, if they lose to Iowa State and fall down the stretch, he still might end up losing his job. But I think you're right on this one, Char. This is essentially a pick game. And I know Texas, you know, they've won a couple in a row. I think they won three in a row now. They beat Oklahoma State. They beat West Virginia, which are two good teams in the Big 12. But the thing is, they were outgained by 130 yards over those last three games against Baylor, Oklahoma State, and most recently against West Virginia. Yeah, they won all three of those games. Th- nice three-game winning streak, but they were outgained total combined by 130 yards over those last three games. They, it's been smoke and mirrors, guys. That's what I'm saying here. Texas is, you're right, Charlie, they're not back. Sure, they won three in a row. Of course, you hear some people say, oh, we're back now. No, you're not, guys. Like, it's smoke and mirrors. Just watch the games. You were They were so lucky to be Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State turned the ball over, I think, five times that game, outgained them by like 300 yards. And Iowa State, on the other hand, like they they had some issues kind of getting their footing early in the year. We know they lost to it was Arkansas State in week one, but they are rolling right now. Kansas State is not a great team this year, but they're always one of those teams, it's kind of like Northwestern, just they play good solid defense, they don't kill themselves on offense. But Iowa State just steamrolled Kansas State last week. I mean, I think it was 38, nothing was the final score. They outgained them 539 to 149. Iowa State is rolling, guys. They're getting on track right now. Brees Hall at running backs as a sophomore, top five in the country in rushing, averaging almost 150 yards a game. Brock Purdy was kind of iffy early on. Like his, his, this is a guy coming in his, essentially his third year as a starter. I expected him to take a big step forward this year, and he didn't do that off the bat, but he's really starting to kind of pick up the pace. He's playing much better defensively, do a good job. Matt Campbell always has them ready. So I think Iowa State goes into Texas, and I think they win this football game. I think they win this game by a touchdown, at least. All right. To finish off the Friday slate and what I think is the first Pac-12 game we've picked all season. Well, their season just started. I think this is the first one we picked all yeah. season. We've got the Oregon Ducks traveling to Corvallis to take on in-state rival Oregon State in the Civil War. You probably think that's the best rivalry nickname in college sports, right? It's up there. Okay, so if I had to do okay, top three, it's top of my head. That, I think the Civil War is up there. I think the Holy War is the best one. BYU and Utah, yeah, that's incredible. That's the one. Holy War. And I actually, call me bias if you want. Clean old-fashioned hate, Georgia, Georgia Tech, that's pretty good too. I put that in the top three. But I, I, Civil War, Holy War, probably up there is the top two. Well, 
We don't ever have to play Georgia Tech. Again. No, but just I'm the nickname, clean old-fashioned yeah. hate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we don't need to play Tech anymore as far as I'm concerned. But, yeah, the nickname is great. All right. Oregon just missed out on the top 10 in the initial college football playoff rankings and are favored by 13.5 over the Beavers in this one. Both of these teams just started playing a few weeks ago. It's a rivalry game. I'm going to go with Oregon to win with State to cover. Oregon State to cover. All right, fair enough. I like where your head is at with Oregon to win. I know this is a rivalry game, and yes, crazy things tend to happen in rivalry games, but I really like the Ducks in this one. Uh, It's kind of interesting. It's it's a strange team because Oregon, with with nine returning stars, essentially nine returning stars on defense, I expect them to be really good on that side of the ball. I actually expected that side of the ball to carry them this year. And I had questions about this offense with Justin Herbert heading off to the NFL, but it's been the other way around. It's been the offense carrying this Oregon team through the first three games. The defense actually, like, they've been, like, maybe okay, but they haven't given up less than 413 yards in any of their first three games. They've actually surrendered 64 points over the last two games against Wazoo and UCLA. I actually watched both those games, and the defense is, they they have good players. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau is really good. Noah Sewell is awesome. I told you guys I really, really wanted that guy inside Lambert. That guy is going to be a superstar. He got hurt about halfway through the UCLA game, though. But they have some players on that side of the ball. They're just not really performing at a really high level right now. But they are 3-0. But, but saying that, they, they have been pushed. Like I said, they've been pushed in each of these last two games against Washington State and UCLA. But the Oregon State offense isn't exactly dynamic. I don't know if they are situated to be able to take advantage of of a Oregon defense that has been underwhelming at times this year. Jamar Jefferson, though, like he's a stud at running back for the Beavers, and he's one of the better running backs that nobody talks about. He's gone over 300 yards in each of the three games this year, almost hit 200 last week against Cal. But as an entire offense, they're only averaging 354 yards a game over the first three. And that's because quarterback Tristan Gebbia, a first-time starter, former transfer from Nebraska, former top 200 player in the 247 composite, I just don't think he's ready to win this type of game. He's still trying to get his feet wet and and feel things out in this offense. While Oregon quarterback Tyler Shuck is really playing well replacing Herbert. I really have questions about how good Shuck could be this year. But that guy's playing really well right now. He's completed about 67% of his passes. He's playing smart. He's accurate. He's actually been pretty explosive when they've asked him to throw the football. And he's their second leading rusher. He's a really dynamic runner as well, which you wouldn't necessarily think. Just look at the guy. But he can actually move pretty well. I think he's clearly the better quarterback in this game. Oregon has just simply more talent overall. I know it's on the road, but how much does that really matter when it's in state and not traveling that far and there's nobody in the stands? So give me the Ducks to win. They haven't been dominant this year. So, Charlie, I wouldn't be shocked if you were right and Oregon State covers this spread. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Oregon to get the late cover, a backdoor cover. I say they win by two touchdowns. All right. Florida will be hosting the Kentucky Wildcats in Gainesville on Saturday. Florida's probably pretty excited to be ranked number six after the first college football playoff rankings came out on Tuesday night. And they will be playing to make sure they keep their spot as the SEC East champion because the only way they have a chance of getting into the playoffs is if they play in the SEC championship game, which they should. I think they almost have to win it. Yeah, well, I don't know. Depends on the score. It depends on what happens around them, sure. But if they, I mean... A two-loss floor team isn't getting over an undefeated Cincinnati. Do you really think that? Cincinnati is close enough. They were number seven, right? Nah. Undefeated Cincinnati, two-loss Florida team. But then there's Texas A&M. Right, but if A&M runs the table, one loss A&M team that beat Florida, two, I know they, they did not get... Right, into, I'm saying yeah. in that case they would have to beat Alabama. 
I, that's what I'm saying. I think but they, if I think the score they have to is close, you never know. I think they have to beat Alabama to get in. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. We'll see. Who knows? But the Gators are obviously a 23.5-point favorite because Kentucky just hasn't been playing well on offense or defense. So I'll take the Gators to win and cover. God, Kentucky. Like, what has happened? They have just fallen apart. Notice they didn't have much to say I there. mean, they just have – there isn't much to say. I mean, like, actually, I had I had Kentucky um, on my bookie last week not to win, not to even cover. I had them to lose by – I had Alabama to beat them by 37 to 42 points. Little did I know that Alabama was going to beat them 63 to 3. There were some bad turnovers, pick sixes in that game, but Kentucky is just, God, they're so bad right now. They, too, like, in, in fairness, they had like 10 guys out last week, which I had, like, this is what's making it so hard to make picks this year and to bet on teams, is because you don't know until, like, basically kickoff how many guys are going to be out, who's out. You just don't know. Like, a couple of teams here and there, you know guys early in the week are out. But like a lot of times, you'll find like, like at kickoff, oh yeah, 10 guys are going to be out, like, like you found out against against Alabama with Kentucky last week, including Chris Rodriguez, their top running back. It's like, oh, cool, awesome. That's going to work out well. And obviously, it did not work out well. I mean, Kentucky's offense, guys, they've cracked the 300-yard mark one time in the last six games. To make matters worse, they've actually been held under 200 yards in half of those games. I mean, guys, they can't move the football. They simply cannot move the football. This team is a shell of what I thought they were going to be. And a lot of it is because of injuries and COVID, but it's just a bad look. And Florida, I mean, defensively, they're not very good. But, I mean, Vanderbilt still put up some yards on them last week. But Kentucky just, they, they cannot threaten anybody on offense. They simply cannot threaten anybody on offense. Florida is putting up points all over the place this year. Their offense is humming. We know that. So, I, I hate to say it. I don't want to pick the Gators to win and cover, but yeah, I've got to pick the Gators to win and cover this one. Kentucky just can't stop. They can't do anything right now. They're just, they might as well not even be playing. Yeah. All right. Well, Nick Saban has COVID and won't be at the game on Saturday in Tuscaloosa when the Tide takes on Auburn in the Iron Bowl. I don't think there's much to talk about here. Saban won't be there, but I still think Bama will dominate. Maybe not by 24 and a half points. So I'm picking Auburn to cover. Mm-hmm. Bama's just considerably better. It's a huge rivalry, so Auburn will bring something to the table. They always have a little something. Most of the yeah. time have a little something for Bama. But they don't play well in Tuscaloosa. This is true. All the wacky stuff always happens. Yeah, it's in Auburn. At Auburn. Yeah, yeah look, Auburn, Auburn's not as good as Alabama. Alabama's going to win this. They sh- absolutely should win this football game. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to sit here and say, yes, they're going to win. Because, like, it's, it's a rivalry. Crazy things happen. We've seen crazy things in this rivalry. So, I mean, but Alabama is the better team, clearly. Head and shoulders above a better football team. But Auburn, like, the one saving grace Auburn might have in this game is that they have been running the football a lot better. And that was one of their issues early in the season, especially when we played them. They just simply had no running game. Tank Bigsby wasn't their featured guy yet. They're still working with DJ Williams. But Tank Bigsby has taken over. And coming into last week, now he got hurt last week. He's got a hip injury right now. But coming into last week, they had over 200 yards rushing in four straight games. They are moving the ball on the ground. Now, if Tank Bigsby doesn't play in this game, Auburn has no chance whatsoever. I think I, I do think Alabama covers if he's not playing because I don't think Bo Nix is good enough to put the, this team on his back and go out there and win the game with his arm. He's just not that good. Seth Williams is a really good receiver. Anthony Schwartz is coming on as a receiver. We know how fast he is, but Bo Nix, I just don't believe in Bo Nix. I just don't. I simply, Especially when he's on the road. Bo Nix's home and road splits are ridiculous. On the road, this guy is terrible. At home, he's pretty good. On the road, he's terrible. And this game happens to be on the road in Tuscaloosa. So if he doesn't have Bigsby back there to lean on the run game, 
I just don't know how they have a chance to even remotely stay close in this game. And, and who knows? Like They've been very coy so far this week about whether Bigsby's going to play. We don't know. I would probably lean towards, no, even if he does play with a hip injury like that, like he doesn't get better in a week. He's not going to be 100%. So I'm going to go, but man, I don't know. There's a chance he plays. I just don't know the injury situation. You don't know the COVID situation. So I'm going to definitely go Alabama to win. 24 and a half, it's a lot of points. They're definitely capable of covering that. But Auburn does have the second best pass defense in the SEC. They've really improved as the season's worn on. So I'm going to go with Alabama to win, Auburn to cover. Maybe Bigsby's able to play. They're able to run the football a little because I do think Alabama's defense is still vulnerable, really, against the run or pass, but especially on the ground. I think you can run on this team. We, we had some success running the ball. We just didn't do it enough in that game. So I think Auburn's going to be able to run the ball a little bit enough to maybe take the air of the ball somewhat in this game. And with a good saw pass defense, they're not going to stop Alabama, maybe hold them under that 24-and-a-half spread. So let's go Auburn to cover. All right. I really wish this next game was today, but it's not. I'm talking about the Egg Bowl, which will be in Oxford this year. Leach and Kiffin are both in their first year of this rivalry, and surprisingly, the line is only in favor of Ole Miss by 9-and-a-half. Although Mississippi State's defense is pretty good, so I guess that explains it. I think this will be a close one with Ole Miss coming out on top and Mississippi State covering. I do wish they would have a camera following each coach during the whole game because I think that would be pretty entertaining. But I can't wait to hear the rest of the press conferences tomorrow oh, and Saturday. I haven't seen enough of that this week. I need I need to go. Like, I, actually go I, I was expecting to be all over the place. I haven't seen a ton of like Mike Leach and... Lane Kiffin this week, which I figured would be all over the place, but maybe I just haven't been looking. It's been a busy week, but yeah. Uh, so who'd you pick in that one? So one more time. Ole Miss with Mississippi State covering. Ole Miss, Mississippi State covering. I think Ole Miss is the better football team. They're just further ahead in the transition to Lane Kiffin than what they are in, in Starkville right now. Now I, I I was impressed with what I saw from Mississippi State last week here in Athens, and when I say impressed, like they just looked functional. They had not been functional on offense since the LSU game in Week One. And Will Rogers, the freshman quarterback, he's learning that offense. They're still not a well-oiled machine, but he's understanding how to attack the rush three, drop eight, which is what they had seen all year since the LSU game. Taking what the defense gives him, all those things. He wasn't turning the ball over. So if he can go in this game and not turn the ball over, because that's what was killing them, you know, before our games, they had like 19 turnovers coming into our game. And that's just not going to get the job done. So if he can protect the football, I think they can certainly cover the nine and a half, but they're just, they're, they're, they're not explosive, guys. That's not necessarily what their offense is is built to be. Ole Miss is. And I know Mississippi State does have a good defense. They Those guys, they play well on the defensive side of the ball. They're still missing a lot of guys from opt-outs and COVID and injuries and the whole nine yards. They're not going to play Ole Miss like they played us, all right? Ole Miss does run the ball really well. Jerrion Ely, Snoop Connor, those guys can run the football. But they don't run the ball like we do. And they obviously, throughout the year, have, have posed more of a threat with their passing game. So I don't expect them to come out, Mississippi State to come out and try to defend Ole Miss like they tried to defend us with a, bu- with a bunch of man-free and zero coverage out there. They're not going to do that because they'll get torched. But I just think Ole Miss in the, the day is just too explosive. And this Mississippi State offense, I, I, I know they're much better against us, but I don't know if that's what they're going to be the rest of the season. So give me Ole Miss to win and cover the nine and a half. All right. Texas A&M is seeing how it feels to be ranked number five in the playoff ranking, sitting right outside those coveted four spots. This is how UGA felt the past two years. Yeah, we know this position well. Yeah. Sorry, Aggies, it sucks. We know. Yeah. Anyways, LSU is not playing well this season, as you all know, and there's drama swirling around Coach O and the entire program. 
which is part of the reason A&M will win and cover the 14 and a half. Texas A&M should be ranked number five in my opinions, and I'm really interested to watch this game since they haven't they haven't played in a few weeks, right? I think since the seventh of yeah, I think this will be the first game in three weeks. I think yeah, they the seventh of November was the last game. It may get ugly depending on how bad LSU plays on Saturday. We'll see. All right, I, I gotta I gotta challenge you here. You really think A&M is the fifth best team in America right now? I mean, I think there are arguments for which team could be there. I just I don't think that they're. I mean, let me pull up the college football rank, playoff rankings real quick. I don't think they'll stay there. I mean, I guess if you look at the college football playoff rankings, you gotta think, okay, well, who is actually better than A and M? I mean, Florida. Well, no, they beat Florida, so I, I can't say Florida. I think Cincinnati could really push A and M. I know that we had this conversation last week. I think Cincinnati could push it. Northwestern is doing it with smoke and mirrors right now. They're, they're a good solid team. Number eight in the country is laughable. I mean, we're not the best. We're not great, but we would destroy Northwestern. I, I I can't sit here and say we're better than AM this year. We just maybe with JT Daniels. With JT Daniels, yeah, absolutely we are. I don't I mean, obviously that wasn't the case all year. Miami, uh no, AM is probably better than Miami. Oklahoma. Uh, that'd be an interesting game. So I, I don't know. Maybe they are the fifth best team. And maybe that says something about this year. I don't but I would just say like our team in 2018, 2019, I, well, last year towards the end we were we were banged up offensively. But especially the 2018 team that was number five in the country left out of the cultural playoffs was significantly better than this AM team. So it just goes to show you how year to year it it can it can vary so much. Number five in 2018 versus number five in 2020. Very, very different teams. Because our 2018 team would have run this 2020 AM team, in yeah. my opinion. They're just like I, I when I see them sitting at number five, it's like, yeah, I guess. Like if you look at all these other teams, yeah, I mean, none of those teams are probably necessarily better than them, but it's just like you watch them play and you're like, you're the fifth best team in the country. Like, what's going on with college football this year? But anyway, you're right, Charlie. They have a long layoff. It's been about three weeks since they played. And it's tough to know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, you can certainly get healthy and rest up, but you can also be rusty coming off a, a long layoff like that. But LSU, like I don't think LSU is a team right now that's going to go out there and beat A&M on the road. It's been an interesting rivalry over the years. I mean, a couple years ago, we had what seven overtimes, which I mean, I remember watching every single snap in that game. That was a lot of fun to watch. I just don't think LSU is ready right now, especially with Miles Brennan. Looks like he's likely out for the year. TJ Finley's fine at quarterback. He played better against Arkansas, much better than he played against Auburn. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he's why they lost that game. And they have they still have some good receivers. Terrace Marshall's still really good. Running game is coming along. Defensively, they're improving. But, I mean, Felipe Frank still threw for over 300 yards against them. They're still a major liability through the air. A&M, though, like, the thing about A&M is Kellen Mond He's hit or miss. Like he's certainly better than he ever has been this year. He's taken a solid step forward, but they're not dynamic at wide receiver. Widermeyer is good at tight end. I just again, A and M. I guess they're the fifth best team in the country. I guess, but they're just not your typical number five in the country. I don't think they're a dominant team by any stretch of the imagination. I think LSU can absolutely play with them. LSU's defense is too suspect for me to go out that far and limb and say they're going to pull the upset on the road. But I am going to say A and M to win this game. I'm also going to say LSU to cover though. I think LSU can score. And I think they can stay with AM enough to cover the 14 and a half. That hook is what gets them there. That, that extra little half a point there. So AM to win, LSU to cover. All right. And the last game. 
Well, last year, South Carolina game was nah, uh, 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 we, we don't We don't need to talk about that, do we? And now the dogs have their chance to get revenge for a loss in double overtime that none of us want to remember. But I just reminded you. Thanks. Sorry. I guess. The dogs will bring it full force and won't let up until the clock ticks to zero, except for, of course, that one of Kirby Smart's best friends is the interim head coach at South Carolina right now. You all know Mike Bobo. So I think we have the potential to cover the 21 and a half, but I'm picking the dogs to win and South Carolina to cover because I just don't think Kirby's going to do that. Uh, he's, not, he's not going to intentionally run the score up. That's there's At this point, we're kind of out of for the college No, playoff. but I think he'll take his player. I think he'll start taking people out, mm. letting the subs go in, you know. But at that point, we're going to have to have a huge lead. Like, so I think if, if he starts doing that, I think we're going we're to have covered the spread at that point. Now, maybe they can get back in it after that. But look, I'm just done with taking us to cover large spread, like three touchdown plus spreads this year. I, I think I, I hit We it. talked about this know, last week, I and I picked us to cover, and we won so by a I. touchdown. It was so embarrassing. Did I. I know, and, th- and that's it for me. I, the last big spread that we've covered that, that I picked us to cover was Arkansas in week one. We almost didn't cover that one. So I'm just, I, I know that South Carolina is undermanned. I know they're decimated in the secondary. They were already terrible. Coming into last week, they were 12th in the SEC in total defense in, to- in passing defense. They were 13th in pass defense efficiency, giving up more touchdowns through the air than any team in the SEC. And then they now have their top three DBs out. You have both cornerbacks, McQuamu and Horn, RJ Roderick, of all three opted out to prepare for the NFL draft. I don't know what RJ Roderick doing. That guy is not gonna get drafted in the NFL. He's terrible. But those guys are, are gone. So they're already terrible. Now they're without their three best DBs. And it's like, well, okay, well. I guess good luck. And we have JT Daniels, right? So you see him come out there, put up 400-plus yards passing against Mississippi State. But look, South Carolina is not going to play us the same way that Mississippi State did. Not when they see what we have with JT Daniels. We have the receivers. Jermaine Burton's really coming on, obviously. Almost. Really came so close to setting the single-game single receiving record for Georgia. God, I, I, we ha- I, why do we not try to get the football to him? Just help him set that record. Like Basically, he, he got within like eight yards of it, and then we just didn't even try to throw him the football the rest of the game. And it's just like, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? Get, get, the, ball, get, get the guy the ball. And he got George Pickens is coming back, obviously. So I see why the spread might be 21.5. The matchups certainly favor us in this game. I just don't think South Carolina is going to give us the looks to put up 400-plus yards in the air like we did against Mississippi State. Which What that should do, though, is open up the, the, the ground game to have a lot more success than, than we did last week. You know the offensive line is going to be chomping the bit, trying to get out there and make amends for what was a, a poor, poor showing last week. We absolutely should win this game. There's really no match on the field that favors South Carolina. I, I mentioned on the preview show, their con card on offense, what they're really good at is running the football. Kevin Harris is a big physical throwback kind of back, a guy that I, that I grew up kind of loving, those kind of running backs, not Harris in particular, but that, that style of back. And Bobo's kind of run that old school offense back from like circa 2006. But the thing is, our defense is still on giving up 75 yards a game on the ground. Jordan Davis is a good chance he might be back. So it's strength versus strength. As, as good as they are running the football, they're just not going to be able to do that with a lot of consistent success against our rush defense. And if Luke Doty's a guy at quarterback, yeah, he adds an element to the run game. But as a freshman, the guy's, he's not ready to go out there and, and, and take advantage of our secondary, which has been shaky at times. It's better offenses. But this is one of the worst offenses that we've played all year. Certainly their passing attack. So I just don't think they're equipped to take advantage of any issues that we might have had in the secondary. There's, again, there's just not a matchup in this game that favors South Carolina. So we should win this game easily, comfortably. But you're right, Charlie. With Mike Bobo there, that element, I, I don't think Kirby's going to try to run this score. But I think if we have a lead in the second half 
It's kind of like we played there in in 2018. Remember that game coming to that game, Charlie? People were talking about all offseason long that South Carolina was going to win the East. They're going to beat Georgia in week two and upset us. And we go out there early in the game and we take it to them. In the second half, we basically set on the ball and we didn't even try to score. And, and that's before Bobo was even there. So I, th- I think we have a similar tight game this year where we get up early in the game, but we just sit on the ball and just don't even try to score in the second half. So yeah, I, I don't think we're going to cover this game. We haven't covered these big spreads in a long time. And with Bobo there, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think we're going to win comfortably, but cover the spread. No, we're not covering 21 and a half. So that's it. That's it. That's it. That's, that's it. it for the picks. All right. Week 10 picks. There we go, guys. Uh, I know it's a little bit of an abbreviated episode, but we uh, we got back on Thanksgiving night. wanted to put some content out there for you guys and make sure we keep our picks of the week going. So hope you guys enjoyed the show. I uh, hope you guys have a great weekend. Hope everyone had an awesome Thanksgiving with your family, stayed safe, had some good food, and enjoy your football weekend. We've got a couple more of these, uh, at least a couple more, hopefully. And who knows how long they'll extend this into the future because all the COVID situations, maybe they just push everything back. Who knows? But enjoy the weekend, guys. Thanks for listening. For Charlie, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.